Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, leading publishers of books, directories, educational guides and magazines aimed at schools in the UK and beyond. Enjoy the podcast. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, Once again, the late show, it's Monday evening, um, and thank you very much for joining us tonight for this important show all around Teachers on Strike. Um, We're going to be talking about why teachers are striking. Um, We're going to be discussing whether you think that teachers should strike or not. Um, Of course, you may know. If you're listening to this live, you probably will know that 90% of the members of the NEU who were able to vote um, within the NEU for strike action did vote for strike action and they passed the threshold, albeit marginally, um, to be able to legally go on strike. Um, For those people listening to this as a podcast, and we did have... 500 people in Mexico download Teachers Talk Radio in the last 30 days. So we've got a growing audience in South America. So in case our South American audience don't know, um, many teachers and schools in the UK will close due to strike action uh, over the next uh, few months. It'll be, I think it's over four days um, that strike action will take place. Um what what uh, in in terms of why these strikes are happening well most media outlets would report that it is about pay um and most teachers in england and wales had a 5% pay rise in 2022 in northern ireland many teachers were offered 3.2% increases for the last school year but unions are saying and many teachers are saying that with the cost of living going up, food, fuel, and so on, um, that actually those pay rises are now pretty much null and void, that they aren't enough. Um, Many people's wages uh, aren't increasing by the same amount as inflation. So many people are struggling to pay for things. And that's this phrase, the cost of living crisis. That's where it's all sort of come to a head with. Now, in Scotland, unions asked for a 10% increase in wages, but the government have have said that that's not affordable. Uh, The current offer in Scotland is a 5% rise up to uh, 6.85% for the lowest paid staff. Now, in England and Wales, the NEU has 300,000 members um, and they passed a vote where... Uh, they passed the 50% mark and 90% of those voting were in favour of strike action. And and they said that this was sending a, quote, strong message to the government. Now, one of the questions that people have asked is, will, sco- will schools actually close because of strike action? Um, well, many will. Uh, some, I'm sure, won't. But many, many will. Um some may resort to um, online lessons. Uh, I'm sure there may be a mixture of hybrid things going on, but some will inevitably close. Um, now, what I want to do on this show, 
I want to think about a number of questions. And I've got a number of, of guests joining me as we move through the show this evening to discuss this. And I, I want to really welcome any teacher voices out there. This is Teachers Talk Radio. So if you're a teacher and you have a view on this, whether it is 100% for strike action or not, it would be brilliant to hear from you to discuss it. Um, we'd, we'd love to hear your sort of opinion on this, especially I'm sure those people listening back to it as a podcast will benefit as well from, from hearing a, as wide a range of views as as possible. Um, I, I did a poll uh, the other on my, on my social media the other week where I asked people about strike action. Uh, I asked teachers... Uh, what what they you know what what I guess what I asked them why they will leave why they why those teachers who wanted to leave wanted to leave and only five percent said pay outright around thirty percent said both pay and workload and it was around I think forty percent who said workload so one of my questions to everyone tonight is are the unions focusing on the wrong thing or are they right to focus on what they are my my question would be and this is me throwing it out as a personal question if only 52 53 percent of teachers in the neu are voting if if less than that are putting through a vote in the other unions then is that because of the issue I, I'm not saying, by the way, that pay isn't an issue. I'm, I'm not at all suggesting that. But we're talking about why, why go on strike. That's what that's what I'm sort of focusing on here. Is pay the right thing to go on strike for? Because I wonder, and I'm putting this question out there to everyone listening. I wonder if the strike action was, we demand one PPA a day. So instead of pay or a pay rise, we demand one PPA a day. We demand um, changes to policies, actual tangible changes to policies that would reduce workload. We demand, I don't know what it would be, whatever whatever a teacher would think that would help them reduce their workload. But my point would be, would it have been, would, would you have got a higher response from teachers if you'd have focused on the issue of workload? Um, and I do wonder that. I don't know the answer to it. I, I, I'm only really focusing on the poll that uh, the polls that I've seen about what, what bothers teachers the most, about why they leave the profession. Workload always comes out um, way above anything else. Some of the comments on that did did point out to me that that uh, pay would an increase in pay would would reduce workload. I don't I don't understand that. I want someone to come on and sort of explain that to me. Maybe I've got a number of guests tonight who are hopefully going to be coming along. Um, I've got I'll tell you who I've got, and this was sort of because this is very teachers talk radio, very in the moment. Um, the, these guests sort of agreed to, to come on in the last 24 hours. I've got Callum. Um, uh, Callum is a member of the NEU. He works for the NEU. Um, and he is a former member of SLT, teacher. He's going to be coming on 
to hopefully share his thoughts on this. Um, and, and maybe he can answer that question when, when it comes to the NEU, what their sort of position is and whether they think this strike action can be a success. Because that, that would be my next question, really, is do we think that this strike action will prove successful? And what is success? Because the way I'm sort of looking at it from here is that if we can't improve recruitment and retention, now pay may help with the recruitment. It may, it may. But but I I think what the bigger issue is retention, because, you know, if we can't crack that, then the UK is still going to have huge issues because as soon as someone gets a job, they're going to be looking for jobs internationally or they're going to be looking for jobs elsewhere if the workload is too high. People would even consider taking a pay drop if they felt that they didn't have to work in a toxic environment, in a in a in a place where the workload is excessive, where the politics is silly, where, you know, all of these different issues that have plagued education for 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 decades now, really, but but certainly in the last in re- more recent times have become much more prevalent. Unless we can crack retention, I don't know how much the pay is going to make a difference to retention you know according to that poll i put out and it wasn't scientific it sort of indicated that it might not and as i say i'm I'm welcome to anyone to sort of come on and and tell me what they think you know by the way just so everyone knows what to do here if you want to speak on this show on this space then you can do it's very easy just tap the little symbol on the bottom left hand side the blue microphone icon if you want to contribute your opinion on anything i'm saying it would be fantastic to hear from you any of the thoughts i'm sort of putting out there but one of my key questions if you're just joining us and many people are and thank you very much for for spending a bit of time with us this evening um one of the key questions is number one should teachers strike number two can teacher strikes be successful and and when and then my next question is what is success? Is success as simple as we get uh, the profession gets a pay another pay rise, a, a more substantial pay rise? Is that is is that it, so to speak? Because in my head, even if that happens, which is by no means you know um, certainly not guaranteed. I don't know how likely it is. I'm not an expert on these matters, but just based on you know, the, 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 the other strikes going on and the other sort of pressures um, around. I'm, I'm not certain that those pay rises will be granted, uh, certainly at the rate being asked for, but, but even, even a compromise settlement. But let's say they are. What's going to happen after that? Is, is, is that going to solve? Is that genuinely going to solve the issues in the profession? Is, is that the key reason to strike in the profession? Is that the key issue as to why the profession in the United Kingdom is in a mess? I don't know. Certainly it concerns me that there isn't maybe more conversation within the media and even within the profession itself around what, why, what do we need to do to keep teachers in the classroom? 
Um, I've got my first caller in, which is very, very exciting. Uh, Mr. B, who's a regular listener at Teachers Talk Radio. So that's lovely. Mr. B, how are you this evening? Hi, Tom. Yeah, good. Thank you. Looking forward to getting some views on this tonight. Definitely. Well, do you want to firstly just off quickly introduce yourself and what you do? Uh, yeah, so I'm a teacher, um, head of department um, for PSHE and RE um, in a school in Kent. Um, and yeah, the, the strike conversation has um, has sparked a lot of discussion at school this last week. People kind of being hesitant, people not, uh, you know, people a lot more confident yeah. in doing so. I think the main thing that I just wanted to add to, you know, when we're just kind of putting thoughts out there initially is that as much as it is about the pay, um, the NEU in particular, it's it's for a fully funded pay increase. Um, I think we forget that, yes, the 5% that we've been offered, whether you think that is good or bad, that's had to come almost entirely out of existing school budgets. Yeah, from school you budgets. see yeah. anecdotally yeah. on Twitter, you know, heads talking about being in deficit and all that. So there is an argument there as to whether it's right to strike about the two. You know, are we going to get as much public support when asking for a, a higher uh, sorry, a, an increase in pay and it being fully funded. But I think that that funding element of it is something really important. You know, I don't know how I will be striking, um, but I don't know how I'd feel about striking for a pay rise that wasn't funded um, if we do get one. So, yeah, that distinction there that we're out there to get this properly funded from the government after what has been a lot, a long, long time of underfunding in the sector. I think that's quite an important um, thing just to say. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. I'm interested to know, because you said, like, there was discussions on your staff and stuff. I mean, what's the general chat been? Has it been generally very sort of, yes, let's strike? Uh, I think it's difficult, isn't it? Because you tend to be in departments and surround yourself with like-minded people. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, there's, a, a, there's, a lot, there's a silent majority, I would say. I'd say a lot of people are quite he- hesitant to talk about it. Um, our head has been very open and has not put any pressure on anyone either way and does and has you know communicated that he does he does support strike action so it's not I don't think it's a, a workplace fear as it were I think it's more of a society you know a, a, you know what are people going to think of teachers going out on pet on strike a couple of people have said you know I think I earn a, an honest wage for an honest day's work um, the PE teachers have said that obviously uh, <laughs> Um, but you know, some people, uh, you know, like myself, have said no. Look at look at the look at the numbers over the last ten years. You know, we've decreased twenty percent in terms of how much we're valued and how much we're. You know, I think it was one point six percent the average teacher's salary was ten years ago compared. You know, one point six times the national average. Now we're at one point four, and you could look at that and say that's you know that's still one point four the national average. That can't be moaned at, which I do also think is true, but. It's a devaluation, and and where's that trajectory take us if we don't do anything? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know if you heard my sort of preamble uh, a minute ago, but one of my sort of um, key questions in the intro was around if the strike action goes ahead and if it's successful, what what impact do you think it's going to have if it is successful on 
recruitment and retention. Do you think that if the strike action leads to a some sort of pay another some sort of pay increase, is that is that gonna is that what impact that gonna have? I'm being I'm being a little bit cynical here, I think. But yeah, no, that, <laughs> it's it's difficult to tell. And if you base you know whenever you base a decision on the consequence, you know we don't live in the future. It's very difficult. I yeah. think I look at you know friends you know similar age who are earning you know my salary in in the, you know in, and more in the private sector, you know in the city things like that for you know I, I don't know the ins and outs of everyone's day, but in discussions what what seems like far less workload or or a different type of workload, and I just think you know there's no reason why there's there's no surprise sorry why 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 graduates aren't going into teaching when you can go into the private sector an X amount of money, you know, for a private company or an HR or something like that. Um, so I don't think pay, I don't think is going to be a silver bullet, um, particularly to retention. I think it might help a bit more with recruitment, but it's, it's, it's definitely a factor. You know, I think the 8.9% that ECTs were offered to start on M1, that is a substantial increase. Um, but if that isn't reflected up the pay scale, why would you why would you go into teaching work long, difficult hours in a highly skilled, you know, challenging job when you could earn more sat at a desk? I, I agree. I'm, I mean, I, I certainly you know, I'm not suggesting that um, that that it won't make any difference. But I just wonder whether you know based on as i told you i did this poll it had about seven thousand votes so even though it was non-scientific it, it you know a lot of people voted on it and it was pretty resounding only five percent said that they would consider leaving the profession because of pay um something like 30 40 percent talked about workload so my my point would be is you know when I when I think about it in my head, I just don't know if even if the strike action is successful, it's going to lead to what we want, which is better working conditions for teachers. Whether that can actually be delivered through this sort of thing, I, I don't know. You know, whether you can sort of threaten strike action over workload, I'm sure you can. And I'm sure there will be, you know, I mentioned earlier in the show about um, a PPA a day. You know, this idea of, that, that time is the real currency for teachers. That's not to say that pay isn't important. Of course, it's important. It's, it's the fundamental staple of of being in a job. I mean, I mean, of course it is. But I just I don't know. I'm, I'm not convinced personally that this is going to get the sort of positive, big positive results that we'd maybe want to see for such radical action. I, I don't know. I, I hope I'm wrong. Um, I'll bring in some other callers. Alex, I'm guessing you're going to disagree with me, but we will soon find out. Good evening. <laughs> I evening, Tom. Um, I, I think like your point about workload at the one PPA a day um, is bang on, isn't it? Like having that one uh, in in the course of a day really makes the whole shape of your work for that day much much better. You can plan your lessons and breathe in a much much better way. Um, but 
the the strike to me is is not only about addressing the recruitment and retention crisis like that's certainly a point that we would make um, yeah. and it would be yeah. good uh, if it could deal with that but it is also like about our lives. Like I sometimes feel that that's missing from these discussions, the sense that we uh, like actually matter because we're a self-sacrificial bunch, aren't we, teachers? Um, that's kind of why we go into the job is we want to help other people. But we also matter, you know, like someone that's been in the profession since 2010 and has had real terms pay cuts almost every year since then. Um, that, that's not good, right? They're doing like long hours every week, an emotionally intense job. And I think the NEU calculators, the average teachers lost something like 60 grand cumulatively over that time period compared to if they'd had parity with the 2010 pay. Um, and that kind of matters, you know, um, even if we were to just address that with the strike, that would be a significant achievement. Um, even if we're saying that workload is the kind of main contributor to the recruitment and retention stuff. Let me ask you a question. Alex, and I'm going to ask this to uh, Michelle as well in a moment. Uh, Michelle being an NEU Joint District Secretary. So, Michelle, I'm sure we'll, we'll have a say on this as well. But, Alex, I, I wanted to ask you, why do you think the turnout for the NEU vote and the other unions' votes was struggling to get the 50%? Why is that? Um, yeah, it's, it's a difficult question to answer. I mean, there are there are some factors that might lead into this, like the postal strikes and things like that. Um, it could be the fact that there's not been a strike for a long time um, in the sector. And so people just aren't used to postal ballots and things like that. Um, obviously, also, the NEU is massive. There's hundreds of thousands of members. And so just logistically, it's quite a big challenge um, to get people to turn out for that kind of thing. Yeah, but, um, yeah, but you take my point that, if and 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 this is my this is my sort of point if if people i'm not suggesting this is the case i'm asking the question and i'm saying that if people were truly exercised about an issue would you expect more than around 50% of people to have a say on it to actually go and, i mean when you consider that this is like you said the first action the first genuine mm. uh, sort of um ballot on on national strike action that's happened for a long time you you know in my head and by the way i'm generally personally and this isn't the views of teachers talk radio but personally me i'm generally in favor certainly of of sort of um you know i'm in favor of strike action in in, in the right situation yes yeah um, on a personal level but my my concern is that you know even someone who is who is vaguely generally open to the idea of strike action, if there is an issue that exercises them, surely they would have gone out to vote for it. Surely, yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I take what you're saying. And um, the preliminary ballot, you know, we had two, so there's a preliminary yeah. one where you could you could vote online. That is significantly higher turnout. I think that was in the the mid sixties, so higher up from there. Yeah. Um, so I would say, although it might sound trivial, like it is still a hurdle uh, to have to do yeah. a postal ballot yeah. to get your head around it, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and we have like by-elections with much lower turnout and we all sort of respect the um, the result of those fine. So I, I would say that 50% turnout and the postal ballot particularly, the fact you can't just do it from your phone, um, is really, th that's part of anti-trade union legislation, isn't it? It's an attempt to try and introduce another stumbling block uh, to stop people from being able to stand up for themselves. And that's why we got to this point. You know, that's why we're, what is it, 23% down from where we were as a profession in 2010. 
Um, and that's not right. Yeah, I'll bring uh, Michelle in now. Michelle, good evening. Good evening. Thank you for having me. How are you doing this evening? Are you okay? Yes, just as you can imagine, um, as a district secretary, also a teacher and a mum, just absolutely ran off my feet. <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, what's the sort of reaction amongst your members been to this? Are they all sort of totally on board? Are they, you know, what's what's the what's the feeling on the ground for you? Um, yeah, we, people are just so pleased that we have passed the ballot threshold. And locally, um, so I'm one of the joint district secretaries for Wokingham. Um, we've had close to 100 new members join us um, within the past two weeks from other local schools. Um, I think nationally, the NEU um, has had 18,500 new members join us. So, you know, there's huge backing for this. And, and there's obviously the momentum is there with the new um, members joining us. Um, you know, we are absolutely gutted for our support staff members who didn't make the ballot threshold in England. Um, and we are getting messages of solidarity from them, not being able to go out and strike, but really disappointed that they can't come with us. Um, locally in our district, Wokingham, we know that over 50% of our support staff members did pass the ballot threshold. But because we didn't pass it in England, they unfortunately can't come out and strike with us. But people are gearing up and ready. And I think, you know, teaching is always sort of viewed itself as quite a middle class professional you know we we don't we as you said we're here for the children and, and we truly are but um you know people are contacting us about what to do what's happening on the day where are the rallies what can we come to what can we help so yes people are ready here's, to get the message out there here's an interesting question for you michelle from a listener. Um, and thank you very much hannah for for listening and for this question we were always told anecdotally that teachers can only strike for pay and pensions mm -hmm. not other aspects of working conditions is this yes. true yeah so there are i don't i can't pretend to know the ins and outs of the complex trade union laws but yes there are very very tight um strict guidelines about what you can strike for um, so, yes, it's around pay terms and conditions um, at the moment. Obviously, I know lots of people have said, oh, you know, the teaching, uh, you know, they're going with everybody else that's striking. But no, this was a decision from the NEU that was taken at our annual conference, which happens every year. We're a democratic lay-led union. So in April last year, at annual conference, our membership voted to go for indicative ballot what happened as we came back at the beginning of the year um, and it was decided then and obviously pay is at the forefront it, you know we're seeing the movement of the trade unionism based around pay um, so yes it is very tight and they do for us to be a legal um, taking legal action we have to be really careful about what we strike around and you know how we follow the government's rules as I say, including passing those really high thresholds of past fifty percent. Okay, I, I, I mean, one of the things that, that that I find interesting, and I mentioned this earlier, was that turnout. Mm -hmm. Why? Why do you think that so many unions, all the unions, yeah, have struggled to get the numbers? And also, do you? Because a, a few people actually contacted me anonymously. Mm -hmm. I know them anonymously. I can't. Yes. Um, but a few, I have had a few people contact me discussing how they felt. I guess a bit harangued 
into into voting. Um, mm-hmm. uh, other people have said, well, that's just part of the course. That's yep. you know, that's what mm-hmm. you need to do. But we're talking about sort of uh, texts written in quite a well. I wouldn't go as far as snarky tone, but a bit <laughs> of a you know, a bit of a why haven't you done this for us yet? You know that sort of thing. Yeah. Um. So I think I'd sort of like to disagree that we found it really hard to pass the ballot thresholds as any you we're one of the since the you know the laws have come in about us passing the 50 percent. it's a really high threshold um and as Alex said earlier it is designed there to stop us passing because they know it's it is high and as you say like by-elections I know like in our local recent by-elections only 34 percent of people voted locally so we're you know we're way past that I think also a lot of on the ground we have a lot of our membership is new as you say we have a retention crisis in teaching and we've got a lot of young and new to teaching members and a lot of people before I became a teacher and got involved you know active in the trade union there's things that I wouldn't have known and we've been out on the ground a lot in Wokingham and you know our members are just not aware that you know it has to be a um, postal ballot we can't um, go through it like the indicative ballot we got much higher results in our indicative ballot because it's really easy to get you know someone to click online we're all really busy you know click it and it's done and we think it's done and lots of people thought that was the real ballot or you know they don't understand that it has to be postal and you know Rishi Sunak could be elected by the conservative membership online but we can't vote to strike um online and you know we're we're all busy it was the lead up to Christmas you know, I'm guilty of it. I pick up something comes through the post. I put it in a pile. I put it in my handbag. I'll do that later. Um, and this is it's a huge administrative um, task to do this. So if you think about all the members that we do have to ballot, making sure that we've got the correct addresses for them, we still have lots of data missing. So but um, also at a time that people have changed around school. So people may have moved over the summer and we don't have the correct address. And you say, you know, we did have a long ballot period because we knew of postal strikes were coming up. But, you know, I think we did an amazing job. I'm so proud of us as a profession for standing up for ourselves and passing that 50% threshold. How, um, long, how long have you been teaching for, Michelle, as a primary school teacher? Yeah, so this is my eighth year. I okay. did a career change when I was 30 and this is now my eighth year. As okay, and how, how are you finding, what's your sort of temperature gauge on things for you? Is this Is this your hardest time of being a primary school teacher is it in it are there any respects of it where you think well actually this is better than it used to be is it all oh no gosh even in what I consider you know a short-time teaching eight years the change in teaching is just incredible you know I knew you know I know some people said well I knew what teaching was like when you you get into it um but until you're actually through that door um, and you know what it's like yeah you, you you just don't know and and since starting as a teacher I've gone on to have two children of my own and I think that's why I care so passionately and a member of the NEU and have got involved with activism because it, it's really important to me that we keep good teachers and a predominantly female workforce that we keep you know good female teachers in the job and I think for me trying to do this job as a parent and have two young children it's almost impossible and you can see why we hemorrhage you know parents I'm sure lots of us are aware of that Facebook group that exists the teaching exile group and you know we do it because we love it 
but at the same time as you know we, as um Alex said earlier we're also people and we also have homes and families and even if we don't have children there's many of us with caring responsibilities and um you know I just think about how much time I gave up of myself before that still too you know working evenings not seeing my friends as much everybody is entitled to a life outside of their job um, and there is just really not that work-life balance and, and I mean can you people... can you tell me can you tell me just just a snapshot of your routine your sort of Monday to Friday your average working day yeah uh, sort so, of Monday to Friday what, what's your sort yeah, of yeah so I work four days a week so actually as a as a district secretary and a branch secretary I actually get two days off so because the local authority school so not two days off I should say two days release time to do my trade union work so yeah. on a Monday and a Tuesday um, I will be doing casework for that comes in from schools in my district so helping members that have got issues at their school going to yeah. um, grievance meetings for example a lot has been around organizing meetings around the ballot um, Wednesday is my day off and so Thursdays and Fridays I teach in school so on a typical day now <laughs> um my partner takes my children um to nursery and school so he takes those off so I'm before children I'm for a teacher I'm not very good at mornings but usually I would be there for 8 15 but it starts to slip and I'm in I'm now in foundation stage so you know I've got everything set up the night before so Wednesday night it really starts because I will be opening up my email again looking for a handover reading my handover from my job share reading you know safeguarding reports that come in behavior reports that come in that we all log online so Thursday morning I will be in school my colleague my job share would have set up my phonics class for me so I'll come in print off anything else that I need have a catch-up with my um, co-teacher in the other class and the LSAs that we've got I'll, things will be out in the classroom for the children to do and I'll, I quite like to put yoga on for them in the morning because it's quite comforting so at 8.40 our children start I greet them on the door um, and nine o'clock obviously then we we start lessons and then yeah. you know you, we stop for an hour lunch break as and most teachers know that doesn't really consist of an hour's lunch break because yeah. you're looking after the children you've got meetings sometimes yeah. um, and then we go till 10 past three yeah 20 past three so schools are out and you know at 20 past three you're catching up with your colleagues again setting up for the next day we've got you know i'm logging again um, safeguarding issues yeah behavior issues online i'm perhaps talking to parents and then planning we have i'm taking i'm printing out pictures that children have done to put on display put in books um setting up you know phonic sessions for the next week so just to give you an example for the last two weeks i've been you know at school by half past eight each morning because it's all set at night before but i i'm there till gone six o'clock um each day yeah and then on the friday i'm writing a handover to my colleague again for monday of what's happened so those even though i'm only in school two days a week you know eight eight thirty till gone six o'clock like you sometimes even six thirty you know that's a longer day and if i was doing that four or five days a week which i used to you know it's well over plus again i'm you know i hadn't finished so on sunday i'm opening up my laptop again there was things i didn't get finished to work again then yeah i mean it's 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 yeah it's the it's the sort of typical slog um i mean just before we go to alex and then obviously to Callum, mm -hmm. who's joined us um, from the neu uh, just to mention uh, this show is sponsored by john cat 
if you're interested in checking out uh, John Cat's latest releases, you can go to johncatbookshop.com. I really recommend, actually, on the pinned tweets in the space, one of them is from Leanne, who has a show tomorrow with Phil Math. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Apologies if it's not. It's called Happiness Factories. I've read the preview of it. It's really, really interesting. So definitely tune in tomorrow, 6.30 p.m., a chat about his book, Happiness Factories, which is all about, um, well, what would you say? making schools happier places uh i'll i'll say that um and as i say it's pinned uh to this space if you want to sort of find out more about the book um and also about phil and maybe join us tomorrow evening for that 6 30 just click on ctradio.org and then just click listen live and you can listen to it um just before i come to callum i was going to ask alex really briefly um michelle was saying alex that you know, you probably heard her routine. Is yours similar to that? Is yours like the sort of eight to six, eight thirty to six? You need to unmute yourself, bottom left hand side, if you're still there. Um, yeah, kind of similar in terms of overall hours, I guess. Um, I, I'd say like the days are more unpredictable than that for me. Like sometimes I'd be able to get off a little bit earlier and then there are other days that I'm still there like till eight, um, getting through stuff. And yeah, like you say, the the weekends as well, there always ends up being something. Um, probably average of sort of maybe 50 hours a week, sometimes slightly over that. Um, it's got a little bit better as I've sort of got more efficient at doing things. Um, but even like in my school, the, the marking policy is actually pretty sane. Um, we're not required to do a ridiculous amount of it. Um, but yeah. I, I find the basic job tends to kind of run to that. Yeah, and actually the fact that you're out on a school night, Alex, sounds a bit worrying. I'm very worried for you. Don't <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm all good, Tom. <laughs> that's good. Um, Callum, we'll bring you in now. Um, good evening to you. How are you doing this evening? Um, hello. Hey, Tom. I'm, I'm all right. How are you? Yes, not too bad. Now, do you want good. to tell everyone for full disclosure what your role is? Yeah, uh, so... I started working for the union. I'm not obviously I'm not here on behalf of the union. I'm no. merely uh, a member of staff who wanted to come and speak on the show because it's very important to me. But um, I've been working for the union since September, specifically uh, for members who are having issues um, and we're kind of like the first line of support for members. So, you know, unfortunately, I get to hear day after day mostly the negative um, experiences of our members across teaching and support staff and lecturers and everybody else within the union. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been doing that since September. Um, before we get on to the sort of strike itself, because I want to ask you from that sort of insider's point of view on a few things, but before that, um, there's a tweet here from Mrs Lloyd, who I think makes a, a really interesting point. She says, do we think that strikes impact the right people? I always worry about annoying parents due to the inconvenience. Should we educate parents more about why we're striking? As I think many see it as a teachers just complaining that they want more money. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't like the term, I can't remember what it was, but whinging parents or unhappy parents, whatever it was. But I think there is a lot of work to be done around educating parents and families around the difficulties that teachers, support staff and schools in general face i mean the union have got a number of um resources going out to reps across school that you know kind of benefit that um you know dif uh, different resource booklets um posters all sorts of different things that can go home to families so they can kind of have a, a look and understand the situation i think that's 
you know, if you look back to the NU a few years ago when we had the um, pay campaign around the general election, and it kind of, I think, it, I can't remember the exact figures, but the, the swing voters was mostly impacted by the, you know, the school cuts campaign more than any other. And I think a similar kind of, you know, campaign is supposed to bring families on board and support and understand that, you know, that their, their children are going into classes each day with different teachers, you know, our wonderful support staff uh, are stepping up and taking classes. Our wonderful supply staff are going in different schools each day. You know, Kevin and Mary speak a lot about the lack of, um, you know, teaching the class. Was it one in eight maths classes are uh, taught by maths teachers? You know, different stats like that that's having a huge impact on the families and their young children you know, and their education. Do you think, because I know you joined us a little late, but we've already sort of touched on this. I've heard most and... of it, so don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was yeah, listening yeah. to it even though I couldn't get in. Ah, right, okay. Because I was talking about, I was saying that, the ter- that all unions have struggled to get over the threshold of 50% for the votes. Any of you just got there, but the others didn't. Do you think, I mean, are you surprised that, the NEU and other unions weren't able to get significantly more than 50% if the membership were so exercised on the issue of pay. Yeah, I think there's a few things that come into it. And then I heard Alex and Michelle speak about uh, different things that uh, were important. I think it's kind of focus on the fact that 22,000 members have joined the NEU since last week, since the decision was uh, announced around the strike action. I think, you know, to get 53% and then get an additional 22,000. I mean, I don't know the exact numbers, but I think there's round about 500,000, 400,000 teachers in the country. So, you know, 22,000 of those joining purely, you would think, around the strike action is a significant number. To be fair, though, that could be the percentage in NAS who voted for strike action. You know what I mean? Yes, no, absolutely. percent or whatever in the NAS. But we've had a few comments on this show, actually, from NAS members saying, you know, I've switched unions, I've gone NEU because of the strike thing. Yeah. So many of those might be for that reason. Yeah, that's a very fair comment. And I think that's what Alex kind of touched on it earlier around the size of the union. So, you know, we've got 23,000 workplaces, um, up to 400,000 members. Obviously, they're not all teaching staff. And, you know, again, they were touching on the, the brilliant results of the support staff who just about uh, got there in Wales and but didn't quite manage it in England. Um, I think having been part of a bit of the, I suppose, data cleansing I suppose as part of the um, ballot the online ballot leading up to that you know the amount of contact details that are incorrect you know members could get in touch with us and they've got not got the right house address they've not got the right email uh, phone number Um, you know Alex touched on the deliberately difficult anti-trade union laws you know (laughs) we had a a much better turnout for the uh, online ballot for obvious reasons it's very easy to send click a button on your phone it's not so easy to have you make, make your way to a post box, you know, at the end of a busy day, week, yeah. month, term. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do get all that. I think I'm just saying that if it was an issue that really exercised people, that, the, that they were absolutely... I mean, I, I gave an example of a poll that I put out on my social media the other week or last week. It had about 7,000 votes. Not scientific, but nevertheless, 7,000 people voted in this thing. And only 5% of people said that their key issue um, 
was was pay their, their key sort of gripe if you like yeah. about um their their role was was pay five percent said that around in fact i should get the poll up actually on my social so i can actually read out the precise results but it was about five percent said pay uh about 30 percent said uh both pay and workload and then lots of others just put workload i think it was something like 20 30 percent said workload so do you think the strike action mirrors the real issues that teachers are saying they're having? I mean, I mean, I asked uh, Michelle earlier. I'm not sure she knew the answer, but maybe you do. You know, is there an issue with teachers going on strike over things that aren't to do with pay and pensions? Uh, similar to Michelle, I don't know the exact, um, you know, law and stipulation around being able to go on strike for certain terms and conditions. Ooh, Callum, I'm just going to interrupt you because I found the results here. I'll read them to you. Poll, if you're considering leaving teaching, is it because of, right, 6,600 voted, pay 5.4%, workload 52.4%, both 30.4%, something else 11.9%. Now, my point is that if that is accurate, which I'm not saying it is because it's just a Twitter poll, but let's say there's some accuracy in there. That is a big differential between pay and workload. Almost, you know, that's a huge percentage saying workload over pay. And, and they haven't clicked both. They've clicked workload instead of pay. So when you read, you know, a lot of things from, from unions, from media, it's like this is about pay. Do you think it's a mistake? Do you think that that's why the returns were only on the 50% part? I th again, I think Alex touched on, there's a, a number of colleagues across the union that, you know, I suppose, I can't remember how Alex, Alex termed it, but you know, teachers do earn a good wage uh, in comparison to some, you know. The, but at the same time, it's that bigger picture of what, and again, Alex touched on it with it, the, the funding and what that actually looks like. Yes, pay is important, but actually it's also around the funding of schools and education and the impact that that's having on the profession as a whole, whether it's support staff being made redundant because, you know, they have to, schools are having to fund, you know, the pay, pay increase. I think Simon Smith did a really good uh, tweet as a head teacher, you know, kind of his viewpoint. I'm sure I saw it a couple of weeks ago around the, the impact that the pay increase is having on the school and, you know, that their staff, I think, being aware that not being able to afford to pay teachers a decent wage means that, you know, those teachers that are leaving, we then can't replace them. The impacts on supply members not being able to get uh, jobs because schools can't afford to pay the significant uh, charges of, you know, private companies that are um, offering supply staff. The you know, the impact on school buildings, you know, um, the amount of buildings in schools that aren't fit for purpose and schools can't afford to re replace those. I think it's all that bigger picture. You know, I definitely speak to more colleagues that s suffer with issues around workload and pay. I'm not going to pretend that I don't, you know, speaking to 20 plus members of the union every day. But I think it's that bigger picture that all overlaps, you know, and all comes together, which then means that workload is increased. If you've not got Do enough members of staff... Do you, want, do you want to just outline to us from the NEU's point of view? What do the NEU want? What exactly do they want out of this? So the the line, and this is, you know, 
Kevin and Mary said from the front and what um, members voted for in conference back in Easter was a, a pay rise that matches or you know, nearly matches inflation. So I think that is what we wanted. That's We didn't put a specific number on it because it's, it's changing all the time. And, it, you know, that initial conversation around, and there's a lot of talk around nurses, was it 19%? And that's, you know, unmanageable. It's about having that negotiation and that recognition and respect for the profession that we, we deserve a pay rise. And I say we, I'm not a teacher anymore, but we, we deserve a pay rise and we want to get around the table to discuss what that looks like. And then, you know, as part of those discussions, then we can bring in the, you know, the issues around workload and everything else that, as you quite rightly point out, are equally, if not more important to many members. What do you think of what Mrs. Lloyd said, um, who's one of the listeners? And she said, you know, I, I've, I've said this to you earlier, that this strike might affect parents more than it will affect Gillian Keegan. Um, that, you know, is it, is it sort of, you know, is it annoying the wrong people, so to speak? Do you, I mean, I suppose I'm asking you about the effectiveness of strike action. Do you think it's effective as a means of change? I mean, I suppose it depends how much Gillian Keegan and other ministers and MPs around the country care about the constituents and whether that, you know, the fact that their constituents are unhappy matters to them or not, I suppose, is uh, one answer to that question. You know, if you'd hope if an MP has many unhappy constituents, family members not happy with the state of their schools, the fact that their schools are closed because of strike action, because of, you know, the, the feelings of the staff within the schools, you know, it's, I'm sure Julian Keegan doesn't really care less, but that's part of the bigger picture of the current government, I suppose, at the moment. I mean, do you have any sort of sympathy for the position of, right, if we, if we give pay rises to everyone who wants a pay rise at the moment, then, I mean, that's discounting the behaviour of politicians, but we'll leave that to one side for a minute. <laughs> just, in terms of, just in terms of economic policy, I'm talking now. Um, if you were to give pay rises to everyone who wanted one, um, the economy would, would be in a mess because then you'd give uh, pay rises and then the cost of products would then have to go up again to relate to the pay that everyone was getting so it's like hyperinflation it's like inflation basically you know inflationary policies do you, do you sort of sympathize with that or do you see that as just a fact of how it is now you know that that's how it is the, the wages have to go up prices go up that's it yeah i mean i suppose depending what side of the fence you're on you there's various yeah. different economic there are we don't have to get say... into the detail on that no and i, I certainly don't claim to you know, be aware of what the actual truth is. But I suppose, you know, there's the money, you know, the NU, and we're saying that there is money available to the government to solve the dispute. You know, there's been lots of money elsewhere to go towards other things, you know. Um, mm. Yes, yeah, it can be difficult to offer pay rises to everybody, but actually if you're working hard day in, day out, doing 60, 70 hour weeks, as Michelle kind of touched on and Alex, and, this is not just an anomaly for certain members that have come in to speak to you. This is everybody and everybody that we speak to. And the amount of people I speak to that go through their appraisal process and they're refused a uh, pay progression at the end of it. And there's not really a reason why it's just because the school can't afford it. You know, you're going into school 195 days a year 
and everything that you do outside those days, of which you're not paid for, strictly speaking, because you are paid to do the 1,265 hours a year or the 100 across the 195 days. So every piece of work that you do outside those 195 days, you're not actually paid for. You know, and you're going into an appraisal meeting saying you're not allowed to have a pay progression. You know, it's not a race to the bottom. It, you know, if you're doing that job day in, day out, you deserve a pay rise, as many people in other professions in the private industry, industry do. Um, I'll come back to you in a second, Callum, because I want to ask Alex and Michelle something. I, I know Michelle's a primary school teacher. Alex is a history teacher. Alex, if you're there and you're not sort of haven't been swept up in the wind on your rebel uh, Tuesday night out, Monday night out, school night out, you rebel. Um, Alex, are you there? <laughs> yeah, I am, mate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, Alex, do you, if you had a choice, right? Yeah. And so, and and someone said to you, look. Because I know, I know what the answer is going to be from some. They'll say, "Oh, we can have both, right?" <laughs> but I, I'm saying no. I'm saying if you had to choose, right? Because that's the reality. Sometimes you do have to choose. Would you rather have the guarantee of at least one free period or PPA a day, or would you have a significant pay rise? Uh, yeah, for me, for me, it would be the workload one. Um, if I could, ch- if I had to pick one, um, and you're you're right, we don't have to pick one. We can definitely get both of those things. Um, but yeah, if I had to pick one, it'd be workload. That's what would make the but biggest I, difference. No, I, to, I disagree um, with you. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the profession can get both of those things. I I don't. They're struggling to get one of them. They've, they've struggled forever to get one of them. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I think I think that we can. Um, like on on that point about can we afford to uh, give everyone a pay rise? I think it was. Uh, do you know Eddie Dempsey from the RMT? No, I don't. Uh, so he's their like assistant general secretary. Been doing a lot of the media rounds along with Mick Lynch. Um, and his point was the the FTSE three hundred since the pandemic have uh, increased their wealth by 78%. So they've nearly doubled it. Um, it's not that we lack any wealth in this country. Like, we're one of the richest countries in the whole world. We're actually stuffed with wealth. It's that it's horrendously concentrated uh, at the top. And some of that has got to go to the people that make the world go around. Um, and we are part of that makeup, aren't we? Um, it's it's perfectly possible to get this. I suppose I mean, I'm, I'm a, at the moment, we're in, we're in a bit of a catch-22, aren't we? Because at the moment... I suppose it would be difficult to solve the workload issue because of the recruitment and retention crisis, because we actually don't have the manpower to be able to share out the workload more evenly. So you'd sort of have to be able to cover pay to be able to cover workload. Do you see what I, I mean? Think, I we, think, we've, got, we've got to get more people in to be able to actually physically do that. I think my, my point was, I'm not saying it isn't possible. Of course it's possible. I mean, anything's possible, you know. Um, you you could spend all your money on on Haribo, you know, and everyone could have fifty bags of Haribo every day of the the year if we wanted to. So anything's possible. But I'm just saying that practically, based on sort of how things have gone up to this point, I can't suddenly see. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'll take your point. You say, is, is it feasible that push, we will actually win it? Sometimes you have to push one issue, uh, you know, and and you have to really push one issue. And all I'm asking is. Is it is pay the, the you know you've just answered the question? I would rather have the guarantee of mm. one free period or PPA yeah. a day a day. You get it guaranteed at least one, at least one, maybe more. You know, you think of other countries around the world. You know, uh, Japan. Uh, you know where the teachers have 
so much less contact time than than than, than, than teachers in in the UK, uh, in England in particular. So I just I just wonder that, but you know, that's why I asked that question. Is and and your sort of immediate answer, knee jerk answer was, yeah, I'd rather have the freeze, because in your head you're going, if you wake up tomorrow and you know you've got an extra free period every day of the week, you don't have any full days teaching anymore. That's a huge mental thing. That would be a huge mm. mental thing. And I guess I'm just asking the question, you know, is the fo- the whole conversation? Is about pay. The whole conversation in the media right now, online, everywhere, it's about pay. What no one's talking about the fundamental day-to-day sort of issues in the schools, if you like, that are making people want to leave. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a little unfair to say the NEU don't discuss that. Um, I, I'd say oh, the point I, that I didn't the NEU. Been I, I, did, in, in I, didn't the NEU. I, I, I don't know what the NEU discussed because I'm not in, in the union and I don't know. I'm not even targeting the NEU here. I'm just saying in general. I'm saying all the unions. I, I'm saying. I'm just saying, you know, that's what the conversation's about at the moment is yeah. pay. And I'm saying, based on everything I read everywhere, that workload is the bigger issue for the majority of teachers. And I'm not sure personally if a pay rise will significantly lead to a, a significant decrease in workload. That's that's what I'm asking. Michelle, I'll come to you next. What's your answer to PPA a day or yeah. a pay rise if you had to choose? I'm presuming it's going to be pay rise because that's what you're voting for. And that's what I'm voting. Um, it would be a pay rise because if I had a pay rise, I'd tell you what, I would probably be able to reduce my hours to be able to work right. less. So right. it would, yeah. that, that it would come in. But there is people who, you know, I was lucky. I've sort of, you know, I was able to buy a home um, at the right time. And if I think about how much house prices I've gone up in the area locally, yes. pay is still important. Yeah. We've got new teachers coming in and they need to be able to have homes and live in the areas that they work in, often expensive areas. So we shouldn't be afraid to say that um, pay is still important. And I yeah. think that's where yeah. the media is also missing off that message, yeah. that it is pay. And that's where it always makes us look bad because you know pay will but it's also about funding any pay rise that we do get at the moment and deserve to get is unfunded from the government and you know my all our schools we know that they budgeted for a pet you know an increase in electricity and gas costs but what we now end up paying you know they are also subject to those increased you know inflation costs food inflation costs so our schools need that additional funding. And, you know, the NEU are asking for inflation, above inflation pay rises that are fully funded. And we cannot, this is why we have to stand up for education, because we cannot let that um, pay rise be unfunded because the two are inextricably linked. I know people in your survey have said that workload, but as I say, without um, less money means um, less staff, you know, clubs that are gone we used to have someone that would come I was in key stage two before when I joined and you know someone would come in and teach my French lessons for me every week Mm -hmm. which was that hour um I had an extra half an hour a week which wasn't PPA time I was still in my Mm -hmm. class while the French teacher was there but it just made it easier because I didn't have to plan a French lesson I could maybe do some marking while she was teaching French and that's the money that's gone um you know we used to have a, a teacher that would do cooking with our children which would every term they would get 
two cooking and an outdoor learning session, which hasn't been replaced since those support staff members have left, which was that extra time for me to do some of other bits of my job again, which is where they are all are. And this movement, as you know, is a trade union movement, especially, with, you know, with winning this ballot in the NEU, is so much about showing our people power and our power to organise. And I, I will say that I absolutely understand why workload is such a huge issue for our members and I know that it is for me but once we win this we have our power we we've got that um Mary and Kevin are going in there and having those talks about pay but they're opening up those conversations about workload too and you know if we're prepared to stand up for pay and funding for our schools we will take the next challenges and you know at, we've talked about our annual conference before but we're, we're always tackling workload in those conferences too and i did actually find the legal definition section 244 about taking trade disputes and it says there's different um ones in there but the main one i think you know we're coming under is that it has to be relates wholly or mainly to terms and conditions of employment which obviously our our pay forms part of that but it is on the government website you can find it Got you. Um, just before I ask you and Callum a few more questions, mm-hmm. a, a couple of shouts to everyone listening. Um, Cassie's here. Good evening to you, Cassie. Long time no see. We've got Zoe. Um, we've got lots of, of new listeners. So thank you very much for spending a bit of time with Teachers Talk Radio this evening. Um, if you want to listen back to any shows that we've got, we've had lots and lots. Um, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, follow Teachers Talk Radio. We've got a show a day, a uh, new show a day. You can scroll. To, if you if you literally scroll down a list of shows, it's an incredible diverse list of, of topics. I know that Hannah was on just before me talking about her experience of dyslexia and, and teaching, which was fantastic and very, very interesting to to listen to and we've just got a whole range of things um happening all the time so definitely do that and if you think that you would like to have a go at hosting then definitely uh give us a shout as well uh send teachers talk radio dm and just say hey listen i quite fancy a go at at, at having a go at hosting um and we'll uh we'll we'll, yeah we'll we'll go for that so uh definitely get in touch with us um and and just the second shout out to john cat who support this show and all our shows which is incredibly fantastic of them and uh, i'd just like to give them a shout out and you can find out more about john cat in the pinned tweet at the top of the space um there's a book that, the, that Phil Math, I think that's how you pronounce his name, but apologies if it's not, has out at the moment called Happiness Factories, a success-driven approach to holistic physical education. Um, and it's really interesting. It's about PE at whole school level and how that can impact the well-being of all students. Um, so definitely check that out. Tomorrow, 6.30 p.m., Leanne is talking to Phil about that book. Um Michelle, just to ask you before I go back to mm-hmm. Calvin again, this is an article that was written by somebody called Christina Merkett for the New Statement. Uh, she's a teacher, an English teacher. And her final paragraph, um, I, I'm not going to spend too long on this because we've already saw, I think it's very interesting discussion about the purpose of strike action, how successful it can be, mm-hmm. reaching the thresholds. I think it's very interesting, but I don't want to spend the whole time on that. But yeah. her final paragraph was, while pay may give teaching a temporary boost, it won't lighten the workload or remove the bureaucracy or relieve the stresses of working in a state sector that is obsessed with exams and yet a third of pupils don't pass GCSE English and maths. Working conditions, not pay, are the reasons teachers leave. Until we tackle this, schools will 
to use a classic teacher phrase, never make the progress they are clearly capable of. Um, most of the public seem to be in favour of teacher strikes. Do you <laughs> think, though, that the teacher's strike will have a positive or negative net uh, impact in terms of society's view of teachers, which has always been, well, you know, um, you don't have to spend long on social media to, to see yeah. <laughs> some of the sort of, you know, some of the comments that, that can go on. I mean, do you think that strikes are... Yeah, I mean, what do you think? What do yeah, you think? I mean, you know, strikes are designed to be disruptive. There is no way of getting around that. And, you know, yeah. my own daughter has started school this year. And, of course, it's on the parents' WhatsApp group. And I'm like, um, disclaimer, just to say I am, you know, the, any district secretary and coordinating strike action locally. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, we've looking at the statistics coming out in the mirror. 70%, over 70% were for teachers. Um, I know the YouGov one was 51%, which is actually yeah. higher than it's ever been at our last yeah. um, strike in 2016. It was around 30% for teachers. Yeah, And I think, yes, I know it does, up, it, it does upset um, parents and other people have commented, but our leverage, it might not upset you know, our education secretary so much, but our leverage is against the economy, I think, which, you know, um, as a member from Aslev said, because, you know, I think this genuinely feel this is the ballot that the government have been most scared of. You know, they didn't enter into negotiations with all the unions until last week because they knew our results were coming out and we are the biggest um, ballot that's taken place. Um, and for them, I think it, you know, the power to slow down the economy on the day that teachers take strike if we're closing down schools is huge. And if, you know, we don't want to go out to strike for four days. You know, none of us want to lose four days wages. But if we have a big impact, it may not go to four days, you know, four days strike. You know, am I, you know, hopeful that that will happen? Yes. You know, am I realistic about the Tory government? Also, yes. But, you know, they have started... You know, Mary has been in there for meetings with them now. So I don't I don't think it's going to damage us. You know, we're part of, as I say, the wider trade union movement that is going on at the moment. And, you know, um, as I said, there's materials out there to get parents on side. We have to own our own narrative as teachers and education staff and support staff about why we're doing this and why we're going on strike. And, and as always, we are. it is always there for the children and you know, there's that brilliant um, tweet going around, isn't there, when people say, oh, you know, the strike day, how it's damaging education. And I think they've got the picture, haven't they, of something from Little Mermaid where actually what education funding is really like. Um, and it just, it just sorry, cannot Tom, go can on. I just jump in there? Yeah. Um, that's my tweet. Oh, is it? Oh, brilliant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, all right, all right. That's the first thing to hear from him. He's like, I made the meme. Mine, mine, all mine. Yeah, it's. I mean, it perfectly illustrates of what we know the reality is. Even before COVID, you know, we knew it was really dire, and it's just got even worse. And our children deserve better. This is not the education system I want my children to go through. I want my children when they go to secondary schools to be able to, you know, be taught maths by a maths teacher. I want things like forest learning to be going on and all that enrichment and what they need after 
going through COVID. And it's all, you know, the underfunding of the NHS, which we've got, we know how long our support, um, our waiting list are for a CAMS referral to get children diagnosed with autism. It's just not good enough. Oh, goodness me, yeah. I mean, um, I've just literally spent the last two minutes trying to find this thing that Nathan apparently did. And I oh, I think he's popped it on there. <laughs> I can't find it because there's literally about 50 selfies on his on his timeline before you even I, I get to any fine, relevant I'm, information. I've pinned it now to the, uh, to the top of the space. Oh, okay. We can all look at it. Um, striking will... The striking current will harm education... Funding, no, current funding. Oh, current funding on the right, and that. Yeah, I've got, it hasn't yeah. worked in that in that format. No, it hasn't worked. But, but you know what? It was my proudest like moment. It, mate. You're a, you're you're very good. You're very very good, and you deserve recognition for that. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll make sure it gets put on your plaque above the door. Thank you. That you Thank created you. that, that post. Literally, I've just I've just had it. Someone <laughs> mentioned something that I did. I had to jump in. So I just made it just made me laugh back. that you were like Sorry. that kid, that kid in class who's like, I did it, I did it. Like the hand pops up. It was me. Sorry. Yeah. It was me. Brilliant. Um, anyway, um, Callum, do you think that there will be more strike action in the next 12 to 24 months from teachers? Do you think that, for example, other unions will reballot and so on? I mean, there has been talk of. An EHT rebalancing, haven't there? And NAS, I think we're exploring it. Um, I mean, I suppose the outcome of this series of strike action will have influence on that. Likewise, what members want to take forward into next year. I mean, you know, we've already touched on the annual conferences where decisions are made on what, um, and I kind of put a tweet in, in response you know, to this as well around. At the end of the day, if we want to challenge workload, if that's the main issue, then members have to kind of do something about it. And I, I say that flippantly. And I re again, recognising what every member of staff is going through in schools and the workload. But And we've had discussions online for years around the importance of unions and what who leads unions. It's not Kevin and Mary at the front. Yes, they're the face of the union. They're talking on the TV and the radio. But actually, the decisions are made by the members you know and it's about us being active and loud and talking about the issues if it's significant enough to have a, an impact on our lives and our well-being then we need to step forward and come together and collectivize and challenge in workplaces which then challenges across districts which then challenges across the whole regions and then that becomes a national challenge it's not by the odd vocal person saying it's not fair and the you know somebody big on Twitter saying it's not fair. It's about the four hundred thousand members or four hundred thousand teachers and support staff across the you know the country making their point heard, which is sort of answers the question that you know. Yeah. And I think the 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 benefit, if that's the right word, of the current time is obviously the education was the last profession almost to get on board with the strike action. Many other, the NHS and. Uh, barristers, firefighters, NHS, everybody was already kind of called for strike action train uh, staff. And this has almost kind of come by accident. It wasn't going to be a particular focus, I don't think, of the union, if I'm honest. And then it's kind of come, you know, momentum from everybody else. So I suppose 
there were, there were other more pressing issues and it's kind of just come from the momentum of everybody else, I think, as well. When you say the momentum of everyone else, what, what do you sort of mean by that? So the, the, the national picture at the moment of just the amount of strike action that's been taking place across all professions. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, there was the national march back in summer of last year. I can't remember when it was. And you know, it's just kind of built from that position. And actually, whereas, you know, we had ballots, I think it was about January of last year, um, yeah. indicative ballots online, and there was a very poor turnout. You know, it was, I think, 20 30%, something like that. Obviously, it's grown significantly over time, but it's, yeah, it's it's that momentum really from everywhere else that's allowed us to get to this point. I think this time last year, it might have been a very different picture. Yeah, um, I'm gonna again put a shout out to everyone if they want to call in. If you've got an opinion on this strike action, do you agree with it? Do you disagree with it? Do you agree with it but think you'd like a different focus? Do you think that it can be successful? What is your version of success? If you have an answer to any of those questions or you have an opinion, we want to hear from you. You can click the little icon in the bottom left-hand side, uh, request to speak at any point. We've got about 15 minutes left. So if you want to sort of share your piece, then definitely click the button and get involved in the conversation. Um, Michelle and Callum, I've got an interesting question for you next, which (laughs) neither of you are going to be able to swing. Right. So you probably you'll try you'll try you'll I'll both try, try desperately <laughs> to swing it but you know um we'll see how we go um you have the election coming up within the neu don't you for a new we do, yeah. president <laughs> el presidente um the battle as far as i'm aware correct me if i'm wrong mm-hmm. is between two candidates which is neve sweeney who mm-hmm. was actually on Teachers Talk Radio on Saturday with Callum, uh, who was interviewing her on Saturday. So you can listen back to that on the website. Um, and the other candidate, I believe, is Daniel Kabede. I think that's how you pronounce his name, but please correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, Kabede, sorry, thank you. So there's two candidates. Michelle, who are you voting for and why? Um, obviously, I'm speaking as a um, an individual, personal as capacity. part of yeah, personal capacity. Yeah, sorry, rather than um, on behalf of my district. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, because we had we actually we had hustings for both members, so we both sat and listened to them. Yeah, and um, unfortunately, we didn't make Cora in Wokingham to nominate a candidate. But personally, what does that I mean? so. At, because as so we're lay-led democratic union at any of if we're going to back a candidate um we need to have core at our meetings so we have to give certain amount of time to all our members to know that we are holding a hustings give them advance notice and then we have to have at least 10 members at that meeting to make a democratic decision anything under 10 we can't make any decisions um in our district Got yeah so what's your what's your personal view then um my personal one is I would probably vote for Daniel. I've I've read um, what you what you put online. I've listened to Neve. Um, you know, I, personally, I think we should have two. Just if I'm really honest, I think we should have two. It's worth no, that's a cop out. No, no, no. Well, well, I would if I had to choose, I would choose Daniel. But I personally feel they're very different, and it would be good to have two. I think it's really important. Um, Sometimes, you know, I'm a job share in my teacher role and in the district secretary role, and it works yeah. really well. I think job shares are brilliant. 
you should have more in teaching. Can I, can I um, ask? Because I don't, I don't, I, just, I listen to the show on Saturday. That's the first time I've heard Neve. I'm not a member of the NEU, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Right? Can yeah. I ask why Daniel is your sort of preferred yeah. candidate? So as I, when I joined the, you know, became sort of active in the union, Daniel and I do come from an NUT background. Okay. So my first, for example, annual conference was the NUT one, the last NUT one. Um, you know, Daniel's passion for education has always stood out. Um, I know what you know what you said earlier about the Ukraine war, um, but you know I've watched him speak, and we, as I say, we are a lay-led union, and I think it's really important, and a lot of members still don't understand that, as Kat said earlier, like our voice is us. And we are the organisers and we have the power to make change together. And you just listen to Daniel speak and you feel that and you feel empowered and impassioned and you remember why you got into education and why you care. And he has a big personality. Um, Do you, like, I mean, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned my sort of tweet earlier <laughs> that I did. I'm not going to ignore it because I, yeah. <laughs> I think it's relevant to the discussion. If, if, yeah. if you're saying you'd vote for him, he did say. To, you know, for anyone listening to this as a podcast, you won't be able to see what what he said. But um, he said, any you extend solidarity to the people of Ukraine, any you extend solidarity with the people of Ukraine. When diplomacy fails and military action is used to resolve disputes, ordinary citizens are the ones who pay the price. The NEU stands in solidarity with the citizens of Ukraine, with teachers, with school students and with their families who will today be fearing for their lives and for the future of their country. The NEU adds its voice to those calling on President Putin to end attacks on Ukrainian territory and to order Russian troops to leave. We further call on all parties, so Ukraine and Russia, to honour their obligations under the Minsk II agreement and under international law. The conflict between uh, Russia and the Ukraine must not lead to the expansion and consolidation of military alliances, i.e. NATO, in Europe, which can only threaten future stability for all and hasten the likelihood of further conflicts and wars. So, to me, mm-hmm. that obviously he retract. He he sort of afterwards, sort of tried to. I guess I don't know what he said afterwards, but that that was a very very incendiary statement that was made. Mm-hmm. Uh, very controversial. I this is again my complete personal view on it. I, mm-hmm. I really strongly disagree with it. Do you? Do, but do you think that that sort of thing? isn't relevant in this election you know at the first bit he's he's talking on behalf of the neu isn't he the first four paragraphs he's saying that i think the last two paragraphs he's talking from his own personal opinion he hasn't used neu in those should the two have gone together maybe not but he's he made a mistake and he owned it and you know, we're all going to make mistakes along the way. I don't think he shied away from it. You know, he listened. But is it, do you actually agree with what he said, but you just disagree with, with posting it? You know, um, personally, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong in his last paragraph. Peaceful dialogue based on a commitment to finding a solution. I, You know, I, I'm anti-war. Absolutely. You know, that's my personal stance nothing to do with my teaching or at all but I d- there should be peaceful dialogue why would you not call for peaceful dialogue there should be peaceful dialogue but i think mm-hmm. the point there is that that 
Ukraine was invaded by, by a country and, and mm-hmm. there wasn't really space for let's sit around the table and have a peaceful dialogue at that. But, I mean, this was posted in March. Yeah. They've just been invaded. Um, and obviously in that situation, you can't really talk to a tank, you know. Um, so I think that was sort of the, the, the reason it seemed very sort of sitting on the fence about who who was actually to blame for the yeah. situation now, i don't want to get too I much into politics you know, I do, you, know I do, I, you know ukraine was invaded it has a right to defend itself um you know i my heritage from a country uh, my heritage is from a country that was invaded by britain we had a right to defend ourselves that's not what i'm saying you know at all um but i do believe in in peace with that and yeah I, I think it's hard without talking to Daniel. It's hard to know what his intention is, and that's maybe yeah, it's been we can't, we can't, that's not what I take from it. We, we would look, I, you know, as, as sort of. I would love Daniel to, you know, come on Teachers Talk Radio. I know he's he's been invited to sort of have the discussion, and you know, and and actually have an open dialogue about it. Because um, because up to now, I haven't really, you know, seen or heard anything on that. Um, but anyway. <laughs> that's that's great to hear who you'd vote for um callum you're not allowed to sit on the fence on this either obviously because <laughs> michelle didn't so you know a bonus points for michelle there but callum who who would you vote for in this election who are you I'm, going to vote for i'm very lucky to say that both neve and daniel are friends of mine and had the pleasure of being able to work with them uh, over the last 10 years and I absolutely 100% get to sit on the fence because as a paid member of staff of the union, I am not allowed to share thoughts any way, shape or form. So congratulations to them both for getting to this point and I wish them all the luck in the world going forward is my sitting on the fence answer. Oh, God. (laughs) Right, well, thanks for that, Callum. You failed. Michelle at least gave a straight ballpoint answer there. That was good. Um, Brent, I know you're involved in the union. What's your? Who are you voting for? (laughs) <laughs> you find this ironic. Um, I've literally reached out to to Daniel's people. I was speaking to some of them at the weekend at my regional conference, and they're happy for him to actually come on to Teachers Talk Radio. Most likely, uh, either a recorded interview or speaking to myself next Sunday. So there you go. You got your wish, Tom. Oh my goodness! Well, you better let you better let us know, Brent. <laughs> well, he's got, he's got to say yes yet, so he's got to say yes either to a to an interview. Well, this is well. If he, I hope he says yes, and we can. Well, but I do hope you're going to read that now, statement out to, to yes, him, Brent. <laughs> I do. Ho- I do hope you're going to um, read his statement out so he can he can have his view on it. And well, as a historian, yeah, I'm fascinated by that too as well. But I'd like to to reiterate what was said as well. I, I find it deeply ironic as an Irishman that people in Britain are supporting what's going on with Ukraine defending itself when, you know, I think there's a lot of historical narratives there, Tom. I think it's very interesting. I'd like to see peaceful dialogue. I get worried when we arm countries. We've been there before with the Mujahideen in the 1980s. Do I trust Vladimir Zelensky completely? I have to be honest with you. I have my reservations, but do not get me wrong. I, I stand with Ukraine. I think what the Russians have done is wrong. But as often happens, Tom, you know this is in the story, and there's always two sides to a story. There's always a narrative. And as I was looking recently, because I teach this at GCSE, I look at the 9-11, look at the war on terror. We kind of took our eye off the Putin ball for a while and let him do a lot of things in Chechnya and then it was too late. So I think Daniel probably shouldn't have had those comments at that time because obviously people are a bit raw. But I, I think in hindsight, we'll look back maybe 20 or 30 years time, we get our hands on all those papers and all the clandestine services and we have the bigger picture of what's going on. We'll, we'll be able to make a better judgment. But yeah, there's no doubt about it. The people of Ukraine deserve to be 
you know, supported by us. And I think it's absolutely morally wrong when countries invade other countries. But I feel that way as someone whose ancestors I've traced to being basically sold into slavery by Oliver Cromwell. So, uh, yeah, that's my take. I mean, I mean, any country in the world has things it's done that that would be wrong or debatable. I think I, I, I would rather not do a, you know, sort of I, I think we're looking at one particular issue and what the future potentially the future president of the NEU said. Agree. Was, and, and that's what I'm focusing on. I I don't you know we can we can literally talk about the history of three hundred countries in the world and yeah. all the different bad things they've done because there's no country in the world who is, you know, um that's perfect and that is doing you know, absolutely not. Of course not. But on this thing on, on this... <laughs> Yeah probably but on this particular I think that caused some consternation, let's say. I think a bit known goal. Uh, it was certainly did for yeah. me anyway, because I saw that as a statement that was quite incendiary, was um, was appeasing uh, what had happened and not recognising that a country had been invaded by another country, and there that that sometimes there is a wrong and a right. You know, that's sometimes the just is, it, it, you know, in particular, it's not a case of, well, you know, this and this and we don't trust this guy and this is this and that's that. No, we, there isn't that. It's just this country's been invaded. And, and, and that's so that's sort of my position, not the position of to Talk Radio. That's Tom Rogers's personal position on this. And, and I'm very interested to hear. I'd love to hear um, an interview with, with him to sort of explain what he meant by that or what his thoughts on that are. Um, whether he I would pose the question, you. Tom. I, I would, I would honestly pose because as a union representative, I would want. I mean, Kevin and Mary are absolutely fantastic, and, and actually, it was a good point that was raised that maybe I would, I would like two two leaders of the union, because throughout the COVID crisis, mm. Kevin and Mary, I think that's one of the reasons we we carried over the line and we got the vote, is because there's an element of trust with those two. They are um, very good with the media. They are very hard to pin the kind of militant, you know, the red sort of cloak over those two they're very very well spoken they're very articulate and i think they've led the union quite admirably and i and mm. i think i i personally would like to see the two stay on because i think that what they've done is absolutely fantastic yeah i mean i was only i was only joking about not potentially having two people in charge i've literally no idea what the best thing is and i've got no no vested interest in either as as not a member but it sounds interesting anyway the the sort of debate around that um Listen, we've, we're quickly running out of time. We've got a few minutes left. Paul, I've asked Paul to call in as an NAS member just to share, maybe to finish off, your thoughts, Paul, on this whole matter of teacher strikes and what your position is. Yeah, um, I'm frustrated because I voted to strike, um, but we didn't obviously get the threshold. Um, and I wondered about changing unions or also joining the NEU so then I can I can strike as well because I think um, I think it needs to be done I had a couple of questions if you don't mind um, first one might sound a bit um, daft but I just don't know the answer in terms of it saying um, action short of a strike what mm. does that actually mean Callum would probably be a good one to answer that uh, from from an NEU perspective. I mean, my experience of that is uh, that means you don't go to any meetings. That means you you you, you do the minimum required. Just work you know, I, rule. I, 
yeah, I mean, that's how it's built. And I've done that before. You know, I remember back in 2000 and, God, we must be going back now to 2009, maybe. Ages ago. The last strike, I I remember. I'd only been in teaching a couple of years. Yeah. Um, And obviously we, we did... We did actually strike. Um, if it's working to rule, then you know, fair enough. But I, I, yeah. I do, I do support it. But I think the the people who need to support it more than the rest of us are head teachers, because I do remember actually the head teacher that I had going back over a decade um, actually supported us striking. He said, "No, you should strike." And I think there was only there was three of the staff. Um, who were actually the people striking, but he still closed the school. And if anything, in solidarity. So, what are the? I wonder what the chances are of the NAHT reballoting and actually supporting schools and closing them. Yeah, I mean, listen, we've we've run out of time, but this this one could go on for about four shows. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's just so much to discuss. I just want to say a massive thank you to Callum. I want to say a massive thank you particularly to Michelle and to Callum for giving up their time to come on this evening. Thanks to Brent. I know earlier on we had... uh, Who else was here earlier on? Uh, Somebody else was. You know what? It's been that much interesting discussion. I got lost in in, in it all. But I just want to say a massive thanks to everybody for for speaking, for engaging, for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it and, and got some some interest out of it. Michelle, do you have any final sort of words on anything? Yep, see you all on the 1st of February. Ah. For rallies. Look forward to seeing the tweets of your pictures. We will be in Wokingham. So any Wokingham teachers, please do come and join us at 11. And we can see you there. On the picket line. That's it. Keep fighting the good fight. And Callum, any, any sort of final thoughts from you? Very similar. If anybody who's in the Doncaster area on the 1st of February and beyond, I'll be on a picket line. And Paul, we hope you do come and join us at the NEU. Uh, you're very <laughs> much welcome. There he is. Transfer deadline day. Poaching him. Brilliant. No poaching allowed. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> right. Um, thanks, everybody. And we were, we're, we're going to be live in about one minute um, with Tracy. So if you want to listen to that, it's, it's ttradio.org. Click listen live. Tracy's on in about a minute's time. Thanks, everyone. And we will be back with you very soon. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.